Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. Does it takes a village of people to make things happen in the church? It don't, it's not just about, you know, I'm a firm believer, you know, I've been raised in church all my life. All I've ever known is church. My mom told me when I was nine days old was my first service in church, nine days old. And I'm 48 years old now. Really, all I've ever known is church. But how many of us know that church means something to a lot of people still? Yes, amen. That the body of believers means something to a lot of people. And that's what I want to talk to us today. We're going to continue a sermon series, part two of a sermon series called I'm Out of Control. And I know when we think that we're out of control, that's not a good thing. But today I want to talk about being out of control and it being a good thing. You know, how many of you ever hide a plane driving a car and hit some poor puddles of rain and you hide your plane? How many of you ever been driving when we have these ice storms every so often, I know they're very, not very occasional in Alabama in the South, but have you ever slipped on some black ice? Yeah. I mean, it's ever like me trying to pull your boat up the hill and uh, the train, my boat literally drove my little Toyota Tacoma back down the hill. <laughs> I'm thankful for my wife because she told me, hey, don't try to pull it on when you're about to go off the side of the hill. So, you know what I've learned? Don't pull that boat up that hill with that little bit of truck. Yeah. So, that's good news for Colin. That means I'm going to have to buy a bigger truck. So, but anyway, uh, you know, but you, when you get out of control in life and it's not good, you know, how many has ever felt like sometimes your life's out of control? You ever went to work some days and everything's good? You got your day planned out and you get there and things go haywire? You know, I, I teach uh, 85 kids, 10 through 12th graders. If you want to know what out of control is, teach 85, 10 through 12th graders at the end of the school year. And believe it or not, the ones that's more out of control are the seniors because they know they're fixing to graduate in two weeks. And they just really don't care. They're checking the box. They're, they're, they're just ready to be out of there. But, um, I think a lot of times when we think about life being out of control, we always look at the bad. But today I want us to look at the good. I want us to look at the words of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul is giving us some direction here, and he starts talking about how many of us know it's hard to relate? How many have a hard time relating to other people about things? You know, I can talk to Brian about uh, fab shops and working and stuff like that because that's what I've done all these years for a living and working and things like that. Or I can talk to guys about fishing. I'm not a very good fisherman, right, Jason? But I like to fish. But I can, we can we can talk about things that we relate to. How many of you ladies can talk to other ladies about cooking or about crafting or about yard work and doing flowers or whatever you like to do? Some of you like to paint. We have some artists around here. Hannah's, Hannah's around. Hannah likes to paint. She's very gifted. We have a lot of arts and people. You can relate to people about things that you know about and that you like to do. For example, you know, you start talking about golf. I mean, I know a little bit about golf, but I don't, I'm not a professional. I don't even really know all the rules. I know the ball's supposed to go in the hole, not in the trees or the woods, and not hitting somebody's car, right? 
but it doesn't always happen that way. But Apostle Paul is going to talk about being able to relate to people. Let's read the scripture. If you'll stand with us for the reading of the scripture this morning. Um, several of my folks have told me they're hungry, so I'm going to have to be brief today. So y'all help me. We'll get out of here quicker. So, Samantha, I'm not calling you names, but uh, she, when I'm Let's read in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22. It says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save them. This is Apostle Paul talking. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. How many of us know the gospel of Jesus is the good news? Right. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs but not, not, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win, he said. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with a purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I'm not just fighting the air, he said. This is the important verse. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do it Training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I might myself be disqualified. Stretch your hands this way and ask God to bless us for the preaching and teaching of his word. Father, we love you and we honor you and we're nothing without you. We can do nothing without you. But through you, Christ Jesus, all things are possible. And we ask you to make all things possible again to anoint us and to use us and to give us ears to hear your word, to be able to speak your word fluently and fluid. The, the way that your church and your and your people can understand. May lives be changed. May we be challenged today by your word. Maybe we change evermore by your word today. And we pray that your church be edified and your name be glorified. And all these things we ask it in Jesus' name. And all the church said amen. 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 The Apostle Paul referred to life as a race. Now, how many of your parents feel like you're running a race a lot of times? Come on. You're running a race. You get up, you got to get clothes ready. Do they have their baseball uniform clean face? Do they have this? Where's their cleats at? Come on. I'm, I'm, I've got, we got a lot of young parents in here with younger children. And you know, boy, did Jordan's about to find out about all this. Where's the dress at? Where's their shoes? All these things that you, you know that you had last night. For some reason this morning, you can't find them. Or where are their bottles? This is one in the middle of the night. The baby's crying and the pacifier is nowhere to be found. I guarantee you, the world stops for some children to find a pacifier. What about when they're hungry at night or when you need to change a diaper and you're trying to do it one eye open so you can go back to sleep and you can't find the diapers or the wipes, right? You know, you improvise. You know, Jennifer used to pick at me. She said, no one person can mess up more wipes on one dirty baby booty than, than Rex had. Yeah. <laughs> well, my two children that are grown today that I'm going to embarrass some more are a lot healthier because your daddy used all the wives, right? <laughs> Amen. But a lot of us need to understand that life gets chaotic at times. Not because we plan it that way, because life in general gets that way. Sometimes it's because of poor decisions. Sometimes how many of us know that it's just the way things are some days? And I think we need to understand that Paul was referring to this life, this life in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He was referring to it as a marathon. Now, everybody's ever played sports 
I have a lot of my students that come to skilled trades, they run cross country, they run track, and they play football, play sports. But a few weeks ago, we, we decided skilled trades and fire science are going to have a race that day. And there's a track at the school, Jordan. We were going to go up there. And my kids, all of my senior kids that play football and run track and all that things, they like, Mr. Hare, I don't care what uh, fire science. I mean, fire science has this big, uh, has this man out there. And he's dressed out of his, uh, his uniform. He's got all of his turnout gear on. And they took his hat off, his firefighter hat. They put a skilled trades hat on, put a crown on top of it. The little the thing that's outside. So they were all competitive. So all of my guys out there, they were figuring out. They were like, Mr. Terry, you don't even have to plan it. You just got to be there. Just When, when we had the, the next kind of relay race, anybody ever watched the round track relay race where they pass the baton off and they just keep going? It's called, but you have to do that. You have to have some endurance. So but one thing I understood that skilled trades guys use saws. They use welding leads. They use, uh, they teach, they learn electrical code. They learn how to run HVAC, they learn how to brace pipe and all those kind of things. But they're not conditioning every day like these fire science guys are two times a week. Two times a week in fire science, they're conditioning. They put that turnout gear on and they're conditioning because they're getting them used to ready to be firefighters. Well, we got up there that day and a few of my students were ready to go. And I had some students that are really good athletes. They play ball and at Spain Park and Hoover and Homewood. So they were all, you know. They're all really developed athletes. But what I learned pretty quick is that the next time I need to tell them how to do it. Because I knew the kids that by their schedule, what sports they play. So the race started out good. I had one of my students that plays football at Hoover. He's a receiver. He's a pretty fast kid. So he takes off. But I didn't understand that he has an issue with asthma. So he got about halfway around the track and he didn't have his inhaler. You know what happens, don't you? His lungs start tightening up, so I'm just making sure he's okay. And the other guys are starting to just, I mean, we're, we're like a whole round, a whole round lap behind. Long story short, once I got back to my guys that run cross country at Spain Park, a lot of those guys run, Jordan knows what I'm talking about. Those guys that run cross country, they're not sprinters. You know what they do? They run for miles. And miles. They have this thing called endurance. So they're not running as fast, but they have a lot of stamina on that run. So what I learned is, is that don't put the fast guys out first. Put the guys with endurance out first, then put the fast guys in the last part. And there's something that can be learned from that today. A lot of times we're so busy in life. Uh, Fire Science won that race, but we had another one yesterday, uh, Dodgeball Friday. And my kids dominated Dodgeball. So we're going to have another one. I'm, yeah, we're a little competitive. And while we're talking about competition, thank you to all the guys that come to the Cornhole Tournament yesterday. I learned a valuable lesson yesterday. Never thought of it that much before. I knew Chance was a really good guy, but I didn't know Chance could play Cornhole like he did. And Cody, I apologize for making us lose yesterday because Cody was on my team. But we did, but we did beat uh, uh, Brian and Colin. They were on the team, so it was Daddy and Son, and Daddy and Son were the, from the opposite. So we did have a good time. So thank you guys all, and you guys that won the uh, who was it? Adam and uh, Jacob Barton won the uh, Bass Pro Shops card. So we're gonna have to suck it up to them so they take the Bass Pro Shops. But, we had a good time. Thank you. We had uh, 20, about 18, I guess, so guys here yesterday. 
had a really good time, a good time of fellowship. So thank you all for coming. I learned about these guys too. They're not really good Christian guys. They're really competitive guys. <laughs> they get really competitive, you know. They're not cheating. They're just as far to the line as they can be. Cheating. I watched feet pass in front of the box and all kinds of stuff. I didn't say that, you know. You, if you're not as good as I, if you're, if you're as average as I am, you don't have to worry about that. There's not much that's going to help. But we did have a good time. So thank you guys for all for all that come. So I wanted I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the difference between a sprint and a marathon. For those who run sprints, they're going to run 10, 15, 20 yards, maybe 30 yards, 50 yards max. For those that run a marathon, condition their body to take blows and to be able to have this thing called endurance. How many of know anybody that's ever run a marathon? I got a good friend of mine that run, used to run marathons. He runs halves now. Uh, John Brown, he actually pastors in South Florida State. And he says the last marathon he run, he got to about 18 miles. His body started shutting down. And it becomes at 18 or 19 miles, you know what happens, Cody? It becomes mental toughness. That, that your mind has to overload all the pain and the stuff that you're feeling, your mind has to take over and to push you through. He said, when I got through, I made the 26.2 miles. He said, but I couldn't even walk back to the car. He said, but I had promised that I would run for my wife, that I would uh, that, that I would finish a marathon. And he did. He said, I felt good about it. He said, but I couldn't even walk back to the car. He said, you know what I learned? I learned that my body needs more endurance. And I want to turn the page to us today and let us see the picture that Paul was painting real quick. I've told a few funny stories, but many of us get frustrated with our walk with Christ because we want it to be a sprint when it's a marathon. We want things to be all good every day and everything to be rosy and everything to be pie and cake. And some days it's simply not that. Some days it's hard to even want to talk to people. Anybody ever been there? You know, don't look at your husbands and wives. Now it's not the time to do that. But many times we find ourselves in a place where we're just trying. I remember when we were boys, there were eight of us in the house when we were kids. Four boys and four girls. My dad was ex-military and military police at that. So my dad ran the house with, uh, let me say, energy and fervor and a loud voice. My mom was the soft-spoken one. My dad was kind of loud and kind of had things his way. My oldest brother, his name is Clay, actually junior, and he didn't like Ryan getting out of bed. So my dad would tell us certain times, you gotta get out of bed so you can get up and get in the bathroom. There's two bathrooms, eight kids. Everybody figure that out. So everybody's get up, get in the bathroom, brush your teeth, get a shower, whatever you gotta do. My oldest brother, Clay, and I was a little, he's 10 years older than me, he didn't like getting up. So my dad would say, Clay, you got to get up, boy. Get up. Everybody else has got to have the bathroom, too. And he would say, I'm trying, Daddy. I'm still here. I'm trying, Daddy. And I remember one morning in general, we had bunk beds in our room. My oldest brother was on the top bunk, and of course, I was a little bitty fellow at the time. And my other brother, Savannah's daddy, was there. We all had bunks. And my youngest brother, he could just do whatever he stand. He's been here a couple times. He could just do whatever he wanted to and get away with it. He's like my little sister. But all of us would get with him. So my oldest brother, Clay, wouldn't get out of bed. And I'm going somewhere with the story. He wouldn't get out of bed. And now I can hear my daddy says, that's it, boys, coming with a bell. And you want to talk about coming out of a bunk bed. 
But my oldest brother, Clay, had fell back asleep. He was the deadhead. He liked to stay out late at night. He was a teenager, you know. And daddy would come in and say, Clay, no more whining. No more I'm trying. Now it's time for training. And he, man he managed to convince Clay to get out of the bed. But long story short, Clay went from tra trying to training real quick because he got taught a lesson about not getting out of bed. I know that may not be funny to y'all, but I can still remember. Me and my little bro older brother, Reggie, we had been stuck down the hall. We eased out. When Daddy come in with the bed, he flipped the light on. We didn't ease by his legs and went out the room. We were the smarter ones. But he went from trying to training because Daddy was there to, to, do, to do correct him. Now, y'all might not have parents like I had, but my mom, my dad was one of those persons that told you one time, and then the next time there was repercussions happening. But I guess he had to with the kids. So Paul was talking about the difference between trying and training. Many times in our life, we want things to happen our way. We want things to go our way, but negative circumstances make us do something called trying. How many has ever tried to do something before and failed? Anybody ever try to do that? I try to fish, but well, I, I, it, a lot of times it turns out not good, but I enjoy doing it. But we try to do it. Have you ever heard somebody that tells you, well, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to be a better husband. I'm trying to be a better wife. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to get out of debt. I'm trying to be served more. I'm trying to be more kind to others, and I'm trying to do this. We hear things like, I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be committed. I'm trying not to cuss. How many of you remember your Sam and Sam? Now, this morning is going to be full of stories. Anybody remember your Sam and Sam? Yeah. Now, he's politically incorrect today, but your Sam and Sam, y'all remember your Sam and Sam? Mm -hmm. Now, you, you, a lot of you younger guys and the ladies are not going to remember your Sam and Sam. You remember, Sam and Sam was a little short guy. He had Napoleon complex. He was a little uh, Western type guy, had his, had his hat, and he he was always racking, 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 racking. I don't, I've never heard him cuss. But he was running as close to it as he could. But he had this terrible temper. But he was like terrible, terrible temper. So, but he he was always mad about something. Always. And him and Bugs Bunny were like always in it together. He was always mad, completely mad about something. So yeah, Sammy Sam is one of those people that remind me of those that lose their temper. I plan on getting, I, I, I'm trying to get out of debt. I'm trying not to lose my temper and so forth and so on. I'm trying to be committed. I'm trying to get promoted on my job. I told about my brother, my oldest brother, who should have been telling us, who should have been the first, the way my daddy set the tone, to be out of the bed of all of his children because he was the oldest and the most mature but liked sleep more than any of the rest of us. So there's a difference today between trying and changing. How many knows that? There's a difference. Colin and them had when they were playing high school football, they had a, a, a slogan one year on their football at Tuscaloosa Christian on their shirts. The slogan was, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Right. And they were trying to get those guys to be less selfish and more about team. Yeah. And to understand that things that were going to be challenges, the whole goal was to teach them that was going to that, that were going to be challenged. Trying almost implies, how many of us know that trying almost implies that you plan to fail? I'm trying to do this. Trying requires minimal commitment. Trying makes our expectations low. Trying, I just hope or wish I could. Trying is half-hearted. 
And trying is saying, well, I tried. Anybody ever heard that? Right. Well, I tried. Right. You know. Well, I've, I've tried to do this. Now, let's talk about training for a moment. Apostle Paul talked about an athlete. He says, those are from a marathon and those that are athletes condition. Now, Paul knew about that because in Corinthians, the church that he's talking to in Corinth, anybody know where Corinth was? Corinth was a large city in Greece. And every four years in Greece, they had what they call the Ispian Games. And they trained, if you lived in Corinth, you could train to be a part of those. Anybody ever heard of Ispian? ESPN? So you could train to be in those games, but the 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 bad part about it, if you drop out of training in those games, you had to do what? Anybody know? I've done some research on this this week, done some reading on it. It's pretty interesting. You had to eat hot sand. You would be beaten, and you would be disowned if you dropped out of the games. Now, who wants to join those games? But they were all competitors. They were all serious about winning, and they won this large prize if they won. But the Roman, the the government of that time said, if you drop out, you're going to be beaten. Now, how many how many of you know you probably eat some dirt of sand growing up? Come on, we got Y'all take y'all's halos off again this week and lay them to the side. But they were beaten, and they were they were mistreated or or, or outcast because they quit. Because it was serious in those times. Those games were serious. They were super competitive. Now, Paul was referring to the training that it took for these people to be effective in what they did. The word train comes from, does anybody know where the word train? The word train comes from the word agonomosehi. Agonomosehi. Agonomosehi means to agonize. So the word training means it's going to cost you something. How many of you have ever played high school football? And you had to run those gashers and those wind sprints. You couldn't feel your legs anymore. Or you played baseball or basketball. They had to run them as well. But you had to push your body to a place where you think you couldn't think you would go anymore. And it become agonizing. Mm-hmm. How many of you ever had cramps? You go and get in from playing football and you have, have cramps. You get cramps in your leg in the middle of the night and you think you're going to be with Jesus, right? Wake up with that cramp in your leg, and you know, it, it's very painful. But to agonize, he meant to the word agonize. That's where we get the word to train. The Apostle Paul said, run the race in, in 1 Corinthians 9 25. He said, run the race like all athletes are. They're disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize, but we do it to win an eternal prize. Paul was using the word race because the culture that he was talking to knew about competition. Now, I can talk to these guys about games and football and baseball and all that because they're what? They're competitive. If you don't believe they're competitive, watch these guys play cornhole. They're not cheating, but they're as close to it as they possibly can. (laughs) Now, yesterday, I'm going to tell a couple funny stories. I watched these guys. It doesn't matter to me because I pretty much knew I wasn't going to win anyway because I was just trying. I remember there's another point in my sermon because I was just trying. I was just enjoying the day. But you know what I watched these guys do? They warmed up and they had about 15, 20 minutes of warming up and watching these boards and you watch which bags stick on the boards. And you watch which boards when the bags hit them, how they slide. And you develop a technique. Right, Chance? Am I being real? You develop a technique because you want that bass pro shot's card, right? Nobody, how many like to lose? 
I'm mighty quiet this morning. It's going to take you a while to get the cracker barrel today, okay? <laughs> you like to lose. I'm going to tell you about our guys here. They're not going to say it because they're men. They don't like losing. Jason Phillips, he don't like losing, right? We don't like to lose because we're competitive by nature. But a lot of times, why don't we take that competitive nature and focus it on our walk with the Lord? A lot of times we need to quit trying to do things and allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to transform us Amen. and make us be trainees right. to be effective for the kingdom. And that's what I want to talk to us about. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about spiritual maturity. And I want to kind of talk about that today. You know, you can have the best pastor. And now I'm through talking. Now we're going to preach a little bit. You can have the best pastor in the world. But if you don't have people to buy in, the pastor can just be yelling at you every Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Right. You got to have people that buy in and people that want to mature and want to grow up. I just like watching these little kids grow up out there. Right. You know, I was watching uh, Amanda's little David the other day and how short his little legs are and how much he's grown. And I watched like Samson. Baby was holding Samson this morning when I come in and how much he's changed. These babies just change so much every week. You enjoy watching these kids grow up. You know, at one or two years old, they're drinking milk. Before you know it, they eat table food. And the next thing you know, they want chicken fingers and chicken nuggets and mashed potatoes and peas and all the things that they want that, because they're maturing. And that's what we get as Christians. God don't want us, Jesus don't want us continuing to drink milk. He wants us to eat some meat. Right. He wants us to be able to grow and mature. And you say, well, Pastor, why does he want that? It's significance in training. How many of us remember the old movies? Come on. I'm going to see, I'm gonna, you young people are not going to remember this. Maybe my kids, because I made them watch, old, I tortured my kids and made them watch the movies. I remember, remember Rocky. Come on, that's, that's, my, that's pretty good Rocky right there. I remember Rocky was fighting because he believed in his trainer and he loved his wife. Remember Rocky, he was a nobody, but he kept training. You remember his training, you can do it, Rock. Now, if I'm going to do this in front of everybody in Facebook, y'all got to hit me a little bit. <laughs> so Rocky just kept training and kept training. And he got beat down a few times, but he'd get back up. How many remember Rap Machio? I'm going to help some of you older ladies. Y'all know y'all like Rap Machio. Karate Kid. Mm. Mr. Miyagi. Wax on? Wax off. My kids thought that was the way, Colin thought that was the way your life was going to end when we were enrolling our house, right? Wax on, wax off, pain. But Mr. Miyagi would say what the whole the whole training method that Mr. Miyagi had with Danielson so I'm helping some of you guys this morning taking you back is that he wanted him to get mentally strong. Those guys were intimidating him and making him mad and when he lost his temper he could not use his technique to win. So the whole thing that Paul was saying to us church is when we allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to change us, we're not losing our temper. We are training ourselves to get conditioned to be warriors for Christ. And what he was trying to tell him was, Mr. Miyagi was trying to tell Daniel's son, that's the reason he made him do that for hours and hours. Daniel's wanted to learn technique. I'm helping some of y'all. Daniel's wanted to learn how to fight. Right. Miyagi's got him out there sand in the dead. Remember that? With those little hand pads. His hands right. is tired. He loses his temper. Right. And then Mr. Miyagi's over there using chopstick catching flats. Right. 
I'm going to move on because I, I, I can tell I really like Ron Kidd. And then I'm going to move it up another one. Y'all remember this, this guy named Jean-Claude Van Damme? He's a lean, mean, killing machine. He was in this movie called Bloodsport. And he was tortured, basically, and put through all kinds of things because they were fighting this world underground karate or jiu-jitsu, I forget what it was, championship. But I remember him getting beat down in the ring and he, they threw something put in his eye and it blinded him and he couldn't see and he had to fight blind. But that caused that made it matter in the movies, right? And I remember him saying, this is for you, Shelby. Y'all can laugh later, but I'm just using his lines. But you know, his name was Frank Dukes. True story. It was a true story, by the way. The guy, the character he played was Frank Dukes, who actually won an underground tournament, a world championship tournament underground. So anyway, he learned to fight blind. He learned to be able to hear. And he learned to be able to fight blind. But all these guys are people that we uh, watched over the years in movies, and we like these movies, you know. I remember as kids, we would cry a kid movie coming out. You know, we wanted to do that swan thing, you know. We'd be out there on a stump in the yard, you know, me and my brothers, trying to figure out how to do that salon kick, you know. I'm enjoying this, y'all not, but I'm really liking this right now. But we wanted to learn how to do that. We wanted to learn to be able to have to kick somebody. You remember, Macho ended up winning the tournament because he learned how to do that secret weapon, the swan kick. So anyway, long story short, these guys trained to be able to get their mind conditioned and they had to get mentally tough in order to be committed. The Apostle Paul used illustrations as those who conditioned himself. And he talked about being able to relate to people. Because Paul was a highly educated man who was converted to Christianity, who was a, before he was converted, we talked about it last week, was a persecutor of the church. So Paul had to take some time in his own life to learn to relate to people that were different than him. He had to learn to relate. And he talks about that in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He talks about being able to relate to people and, and to get to know people that were different than him. Romans 12, 1 through 5. Let's read that scripture. Romans 12, 1 through 5. Wrong, uh, Paul's talking to the, to the Romans here. He said, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice to be kind, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So being a sacrifice is a way to worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this morning, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves Measure yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now there's one thing that I want us to really focus on today. Paul said there are many parts of the body, but we all belong to each other. How many has ever broken a part of your body? Our hand, our foot, our toe, our finger? or sprain your ankle or do something like that. Does that affect your body? Yes. I mean, you don't believe it bothers you, go break a finger or a toe and, and, and then try to do the normal things that you do. Right. If you if you ever, I remember when I cut my finger real bad, 
I didn't ever hit that finger bridge until I cut it. Yep. And then I hit, what was his name? Jeffrey? I hit Jeffrey on everything. Yep. Yep. And I, I did. I mean, I could try to get it, open the door of my truck to go to work, and I hit it. Yep. On everything. Come on, everybody. I'm giving y'all some laughs. If nothing else, you're going to get some comedy this morning. But I hit it on everything because you don't pay attention to things that don't hurt you. So Paul starts talking about the body of Christ. And Paul says, he starts by saying, give your bodies. Now, we know that if we train, we have to give our bodies. He said, which refers to what? The first verse refers to what? It refers to commitment. Right. If you're not going to commit to something, you're not going to do it. You're not going to be successful. He says, because of what he has done for us, talking about Jesus, what he's done for us to cross. First of all, we're not going to be sold out to Jesus. We're not going to be effective followers of Jesus if we don't respect what Jesus did for us on the cross. Right. If we don't understand the magnitude of suffering that Jesus went for us, went for us, for us to have salvation. The Bible said he that knew no sin became sin for us. He literally, not just physically, but spiritually became sin for us. We have to understand the magnitude of what Jesus went through. It says, giving ourselves to him makes us holy. A living sacrifice that is acceptable, which is your spiritual, the King James says, your spiritual act of worship. How do I make myself holy? By giving myself more to God. And then what happens as we mature as a church is not that I get what I want, but my wants become more of what he wants. And we learn to do the things that God wants us to do because how many of us have wants? How many of us have goals? Everybody in this room has wants and goals. You may want to retire by a certain age. You may want to buy a house or a car or pay your car off or buy a bass boat or see your kids go to college or see them do well in life, see them married, find the perfect person to get married. Everybody in this room has goals. But can I tell you, if our goals don't align with Christ, we're out of the will of God. Right, and Paul was saying here, if you want to mature, if you want to look like Christ, you have to submit yourself to him. Right. Not easy. Church said amen. Right. It is not easy to submit yourself to Christ. Then he goes on in verse 2 and says, don't copy this world. Don't copy. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. How many of us know that our world's gone crazy? Yes. Turn the news on for 10 minutes and you can turn it back off. Our world has gone crazy. Do they want you to copy them? Yes. Do they want you to do what they do? Right. Do they want you to, to follow them in, the, in the, the madness of their thinking? They're not only doing that, but they're indoctrinating us to do that nowadays. You say, well, how do they do that? Well, they want to control. It's a control thing. And Paul is talking about giving ourselves over to Christ and allowing him to control us, really. But let God transform you by changing the way you think. Yeah. That's hard, isn't it? How many of us are stubborn? You remember Burger King years ago? You come to Burger King, you can have it your way. That was their slogan. You go through a drive-thru, you order what you want, right? You pick from the menu. You know, we know up here you might not get what you want. You might not get anything at all, right, Jerry? You might not get anything at all. But what I'm trying to say is 
Guys, listen. You pick what you want because you want choices. Listen. Jesus wants us to look like him. Looking like him gives us choices, but those choices are limited. Who said that? Those choices are limited to our ability to submit to the will of God. And I know this might get deep right here, but understand and hear what I'm saying today, church. Hear what I'm saying right here. Our ability to, ability to be effective for the kingdom really rests on our ability to be submissive to Christ. And we, a lot of times, gauge, well, this person right here is not all that, or this person right here, look at Pastor Rex, he's the pastor of the church. But it's really not about Pastor Rex, it's about the church. I'm just a shepherd of the church. I can't do anything. I can't do anything within myself. It'd be a really boring service. It was just me and Jennifer here every Sunday. Thank God you're here today. I think I'm thankful for that. But it takes everybody. And Paul says what it does, he talked about the parts of the body. He says every part of the body is effective. You know, how many of us would look real funny if you had a nose for it? If you had noses, your nose was the ears. Yeah. And you didn't have eyes. Or you didn't have feet if your hands were your feet. He's talking about the parts of the body of the church. And he talks about the reason that they need to be in places that they are. is because they each have a place. They each have a place. So Paul also gives a warning. He says, don't be conceited. Does he not? He said, the first thing I don't want you to do, I want you to not transform this world and follow the behavior of the customs of the world. Then I don't want you to think more highly of yourself. Anybody like being around somebody that just brags on themselves all the time? You know, I, I've worked with people before. I remember when I worked with Mercedes, I had this one guy I worked with. Ryan, he'd tell you how good he was. Right. You know, we'd be in a meeting and, and there'd be several team leaders in the meeting and he'd just tell everybody how good he was. And everybody else is over there just like, okay, start a meeting, five minutes, checking the watches. Ready to go. He's telling everybody how good he was. The guy was really good at what he did, but he didn't have to tell everybody that. Right, right. You could literally watch people go the other direction when he came because they knew that they was going to get, oh, look at me. Look at my house. Look at my bass boat. Look at all these things that I've got. Look at my GL. Look at these things that I have. And one of the most empty people I've ever been around. Right. Because his, 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 uh, Analogy of success was what he had instead of what he had here. Right. And a lot of times what we need to understand as Christians, church, is this simply the more we submit to Christ, the more we look like Christ, the more effective we become for the kingdom, and the more usable we become for the kingdom. Right. The more we are able, available to be used. He says, don't transform to the ways of this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. Let me say this for him. Encourage you just a moment. If you think you will never accomplish anything, you will never do it. Come on. If I don't think that I can accomplish things, I won't accomplish things. So I I, I learned to to tell myself, how many has ever said, Talk to yourself and say, well, that's stupid. Right. I'm the only one. Thank you for all four amens I got. Right. How many has ever said, why did I do that? Ever done something? And then immediately say, man, why did I do that? I mean, I do it every day, you know, just about every day. Why did I do that? Then he goes on to say, Paul says, 
What you do not only affects you, but it affects others. Amen. What I do affects not only me, but it affects the people that serve under me right. and with me. So the effectiveness of what happens in the body of believers is not just affected by the pastor or the youth pastor or the deacons or the elders. The effectiveness of the church is, is, is affected by, the effectiveness of the church is affected by the people. Right. Right. And the more we look like Christ, the more effective our church is. For example, two years ago, we couldn't have a cornhole tournament like this because we didn't have people to put it on. Right. Next Saturday, we're going to have a really, really large yard sale here. Yes. We're going to sell a lot of stuff. Amen? Amen. Amen. But a couple years ago, we couldn't do that. Right. Because we didn't have the people to do it. God has given us increase as we prove as a church that we're trustworthy to handle. Right. And I'm going to tell you something today, church. God won't give us something that we can't handle. Right. He won't entrust us with something. And I'm talking to you both in your individual lives and as a church. God's not going to give you stuff that you don't prove that you can handle. I mean, this knows that everything we have as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we don't own anything. It all belongs to God. Right. And we're just stewards of it. So if we prove that we can't be trusted with it. God won't give us more. Right. He won't entrust us with more. So Paul says there's a difference between trying and training. The difference between trying and training, number one, is commitment. Right. Do we commit to it? If you're not committed to your marriage, the marriage won't last. Right. Both parties. It don't take people say, well, I did the best I could. If both parties are not committed, it's not going to work. Right. What you're going to have if it lasts, you get one person stepped on and the other person. Amen? Right. Okay, I'm gonna get back behind the pulpit because I'm getting some looks on that one. Right. But you gotta have some commitment there. It takes a lot of giving. Right. How many knows you have to take a lot too? Yeah. Okay, I'm not, I'm not gonna preach on marriage. Everybody take a deep breath. But just as bodies have many parts, each part has special functions. Each part of the body has special functions. Right. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Each part of the body that God has equipped us with as a church yeah. has a special function. God is in the process of bringing people in now that have a special function for his kingdom to give him glory. Yeah. Because it's not about one group of people. Are they some more prominent than the others? Because those ministries have built themselves up over the years. Yeah. But how many of us know there's many, still many more needs and ministries that God wants to accomplish through this body of believers, but he's got to have people to do it. He's got to have people that are willing to give up what they want and their time and their effort and their finances to do it. And thank God, God continuously to give, continues to give us increase, Cody. Things are a lot better than what they used to be. And I'm thankful for that. I'm not minimizing what God has done. But what I am saying, as we grow up in Jesus yeah. and as we know more of the word and as we submit one to another, amen? Yeah. as we sharpen each other like steel on steel. Yeah. I mean, there's no in churches you're going to have confrontations. Yeah. You're going to disagree. Right. I mean, I, I've got elders, but I disagree with them from time to time. We disagree with each other. It happens. Right. So, Pastor Rex, does that happen in restoration? Yeah, you ought to be there sometimes. We disagree. Right. But we still love each other. And we go for the good of the, of the building and the body of believers. I mean, it's in your marriage, you disagree. I know you said, well, Pastor, I thought you said we're going to preach about marriage. Right. I know Brian and Gina never do. I'm just picking. Except like the laundry room, right, right? 
And Ryan said, you know, I picked him about that a lot. But the Bible says that we sharpen each other like steel on steel. Me and Jennifer have been married. She's not here this morning. 29 years. Wow. 29 years. We don't have arguments. We have elevated conversations. Right. That's what a counselor told us one time. Right. Don't call them arguments. Call them elevated conversations. Right. She'll tell me a lot of times, why don't you go out and work on your boat so we don't have to have an elevated conversation today? That's the pastor's life. Yeah, we're people too. Yeah. Right. We're just people too. Right. You know, we, we disagree on things. And you say, where are you going to? As the body of believers becomes more mature, and the more we submit to Christ, the more effective we are, the more people we can take on, the more people that we can reach, the more people we can help, the more the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forth, the more people we reach, we finish the Great Commission, and the coming of the Lord can happen. Amen. That's what it's about. And you say, Pastor, is the Lord coming back? When everybody that can be reached is reached is when Jesus is coming back. Right. So the goal of the church is simply this. Are you preaching? Right. Are we loving each other? You know, I love it that 17, 18 guys can get out there and play cornhole that are competitive, that cheat just a little bit. You know, I don't even know all the rules. I have people asking me, what's the rules? I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask Boyd and David. No, I'm joking. <laughs> ask Boyd and... and you know, I know Chance knew because Chance plays cornhole. I watched Chance play cornhole for a minute and I figured out, you know, next time I'm going to rig it to where I want Chance's team. Right. <laughs> it's being real. Right, Chance? It's being real. Cody, I love you, man. <laughs> and Cody's saying, hey, man, you can go to another team. Just Cody wasn't the problem. But I'm thankful for those moments. I just remember the sermon series I preached about landmarks about two years ago, making landmarks. But we as a church have to understand that I'm talking to us as individual believers of Christ. As long as you think that you'll always be trying, you will never be trying. Right. And as long as we never commit to giving more than we can give, because you say, well, pastor, how do I give more than I can give through the help of the Holy Spirit? Right. Because it's the help of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to accomplish things that we wouldn't accomplish, right? Right. Didn't Jesus say, Jesus tell his disciples, the same spirit that brought me from the grave, the, the same spirit that's in me is going to reside in you. Yes. And that same spirit that he's poured out in the last days on his church makes us effective. It's not just about the chill box I feel when they sing in my favorite song or I hear my favorite song on the radio driving down the road. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your helper. He's your friend. Yeah. Amen. That's what the Holy Spirit is. He is our strength. And Paul was saying what we need to do, he said this in Galatians 5, what we need to do is keep in step with the Holy Spirit. How do I keep in step with the Holy Spirit? By submitting my will to God. Right. You heard me say a lot of times, I never planned on being a preacher. Didn't. Right. Probably would have been a lot more prepared if I had planned on being a preacher. Right. But how many of us know God don't always put in, give us what we plan? Right. He gives us what we need. Yes. And Paul will say this. Each one has a gifting and a calling. Under the sound of my voice today, there are people that sitting under the sound of my voice. You have a gifting and you call them. You say, well, Pastor, Rex, I don't know what that is yet, but if you'll submit to Christ, he will show you. Right. And he will make things clear to you. Because God didn't make any 
himself. The Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. He made me the way I am for a reason to accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish was his, his power of his spirit. Each one has a different calling and gifting. But the more we train ourselves to submit ourselves to Christ and agonize to do the things. You say, well, Pastor, I don't like that word agony. But working for the kingdom is agonizing at times. Right. Amen. Amen. Right. It costs me stuff. It's cost me stuff over the years. It's cost me friends. Mm. It's cost me relationships. Submitting to the to where God has got me has cost me a job. Right. Not because I'm weak, because I left the job to do what God called me to do. Right. Yeah. It cost me security. Right. It cost me giving up 15 years of my life and, and let go of 15 years of my life, the things that we worked hard to build, to go to a place that was uncertain for us. And you say, well, Pastor, you've been in roses on you. I'm just telling you what God's done in my life. Right. So it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you commitment. Because you don't get nothing without commitment. Right. How many ever bought a car before? Mm -hmm. They don't sell you that car for 60 easy pants. <laughs> but how many of us know the third and fourth is a lot easier, a lot harder than the first one was? Come on. Right. 70 easy payments, 48 easy payments. You can have this car. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to some people. Yeah. You know, once the new smell goes, you know, you're not going to pay for it anymore. We, we, you know, it's not as easy as it was. It takes commitment. They expect you to commit to pay for it. Because we don't follow the world's customs, or follow, I should say, the world's customs and do like they do. I just know that as Christians, you're going to be different. And I'm, I'm done with this point. As Christians, we're different. We look different for a reason. That don't mean we try to make ourselves look different than everybody else, but as Christians, you will be different. Right. You, you will not, maybe not go the places you need to go and do the things you used to do. Come on. Right. Because it's not about me anymore, but it's because about what he wants me to do. Yeah. It's come less about me, it's come more about him. Yeah. If it was easy, if it was easy, this church wouldn't hold all the people that would be here this morning. Right. If the church, if this restoration church was reaching its full potential, the church wouldn't hold all the people that would be here this morning. Right. If we were where we needed to go, and you say, well, Pastor, why do you always vision cast about where we're going? Because I'm not going to stay here, okay? Right. I, I love where we're at, and I thank God for where we're at, but God don't want us to stay here. Right. Anybody ever been by an old slough? Come on, you guys that like to go fishing. In the summertime, what happens in a slough or, or a little dead pond? What happens to the water in the summertime when it quits raining? It gets stagnant because it's not moving. How many of you know that's what happens to Christians that are not growing in Christ? They get stagnant and then they get sour and they get to smell it. Come on. Right. I'm not talking about you need a shower. I'm talking about when it gets stagnant because we're not moving, we're not growing. But a river, what happens to a river? Chance, you, you want to talk about water moving does what? It, re, it replenishes itself. Mm. You know, I read an article a while back says in a, in, a, in, a, in a stream or a creek, every hundred foot that water purifies itself. Right. Because it's moving. Yeah. It's got life to it. Right. And when you're moving as a church and you're moving as a Christian, you're moving as a body of believers, you're passing by some things. You're going to let go of some things because you're moving. Right. 
That's where we're at as a church. It can be uncomfortable at times. It's uncomfortable for me. But I'm thankful. Stanley and Cindy, y'all were here, Brother Keith, Jason and Karen. There was a few people here when we first came. That was about it. I'm serious. That was about it. Jordan, Boyd, and Colin. Now look around you and look at all these other people. Right. Run Sister Shelton. Cromers, that was about it. I'm thankful that the waters kept moving. And God kept changing things. And some of it was uncomfortable. You know? It's uncomfortable. You know, I'm one of those people that I like to do everything myself. Come on, guys. You know, I will do it by myself. I will do it by myself. But how many of us know the kingdom of God is not made for me to do it by myself? The kingdom of God is made for us to allow the people that have equipped and equipped and they're called and for us to help them develop. Yeah. And when we don't do it by ourselves and we allow other people to do it, we're allowing other people to find their call and we're becoming what we need to be for the kingdom. I said all that to say this, Paul was saying, if you conform to the world, you're going to look like the world and you're going to be ineffective. But the more you submit to the body of Christ, what Jesus wants and his power of his word, the more transformed you're going to be and the more you're going to look like him and that's your spiritual act of worship. Right. Amen. It's not a song. Now, I love the worship team and they do an excellent job. But that's just a 30-minute session of us loving on God. Our lifestyle is called worship. Right. How we live every day, how I treat my wife, how I love on my kids, how I treat these kids that I teach every day, how I present myself, how I honor God with his money is, is called worship. Right. How I treat people that nobody else cares about. I had a young man tell me yesterday, said, Pastor Rex, nobody's ever loved on me like you love on me. You say, I ain't done nothing but just, just be there. That's all I've done is just be there. Right. But I'm going to tell you, there's a lot more of these young men that need somebody to care about them. Wow. Right. And there's other people in this church that's loved on that young man. Yeah. What I'm trying to say today, church, is there's other people, there's other families, there's other people out there that God's calling restoration to reach, but he won't do it unless we find our place. Right. Unless we find our place. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful like Sister Tracy come to Jennifer a couple months ago and said, hey, can we have a yard sale? Mm -hmm. Can we do this and that? You know what? That that means that people care about the church. Right. And they want to see things. And Tiffany helping with the kids' ministries and, and on Wednesday night and doing that. And David going with some of his boys around the food and watching these kids have a time and, and sloshing around this mud and water. It's not just a camp out. It's, it's impacting these kids' lives forever. Because those little boys are going to grow up one day and they're going to remember all those times. Right. When somebody impacted their life. They can bring what you do on Wednesday nights. You may not think it matters, but it matters for the kingdom because we submitted ourselves to Christ. When you give on Sunday mornings and you give sacrificially when you don't have, can I tell you, God will bless you for that. Yes. And so, well, Pastor Rex, I don't, I don't really do anything. I don't really, haven't really found my place. My place. You can talk to me and we'll help you find it. Right. I promise you we will. And God has called Brother Keith taught our Sunday school class for years. You know, you know when I when I when I'm studying something a lot of times and I don't understand it, the pastor, yeah, I call Keith and I say, Keith, wait, what do you think about this? You know why? Because Brother Keith sees him, he knows the word. I can go talk to him about it, and I, he won't look down at me. You mean the pastor calling the Sunday school? Yeah, we sharpen each other like steel on steel. Right. We lift each other up. Right. There's many of these men, Brian. I, I went and visited Brian a bunch of times. 
Yeah. I owe Brad about $300 in legal fees right now. Right. <laughs> but I know I can go talk to Brian as a man, and Brian loves me and cares about me, and Brian will pray for me. Right. I can go tell these guys when I'm upset about something in the elders meeting, and they'll learn to shake it off and move on because they care about me. Yeah. You say, well, Pastor, you've been real. Yeah, because we need to be real, church. Right. Amen. We're all on a journey. We're all there. We all love the Lord, but we're not we're not there yet. We're, we're on a journey. Right. right. I just mean, remember your kids going to church. Oh, there yet? Oh, there yet? Oh, there yet? Right. How many times have we asked God, are we there yet? Right. Are yeah. oh, we there yet? Are oh, we there yet? No, we're not there yet, but we're going in that direction. The water's still moving. Still replenishing itself. Paul said, Don't conform to what's out there. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The more I submit to him, the more I look like him. Right. You know, brag on chance a little bit. Chance called me. Talked to Chance a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. Chance says, Hey, man, you know, you used to work on your driveway. I'm going to come up there one day. I come home one day and my driveway's fixed. Wow. It meant a lot to me. Wow. He might have been on my driveway trying to get up my hill. It was getting kind of fun, wasn't it? Right. I got boats sliding down the hill, you know. But, right. you know, no water. That's a bad thing. Right. I had to put a pond out here. I don't know. There it's you just, go. Anyway, we're chasing rabbits now, but I'm thankful for that. Right. It's a body of believers. Yeah. Yep. You know, we went to Boys Army today. Jerry Carl woke us up real early. Still bitter about that, Jerry. Still out of the We get up. Jerry and, and David had breakfast too. I appreciated that. I did. So did they care. <laughs> it takes everybody. Right. It takes everybody. I come here on Wednesday night. I watch these men pouring into these boys. Mm. These ladies pouring into these girls on Wednesday night. It <laughs> takes everybody. Right. It's not a time when I've called Stanley and said, Stanley, the long one he's working on again. Yeah. But if he didn't get a little truck and trailer to come get it. You know, it might be something like, you know, one time I forget that's the valve was turned on. I'm sorry, Stanley, I'm, I'm confessing. Just turn the valve on and it'll get some gas, you know. I didn't know what that turned on. I mean, I would just, it wouldn't go. And it bailed me out on one time. Takes everybody. Takes everybody, sir. Takes everybody. And when we find our place, Yes. When we commit to what God's called us to do, it's living life, folks. Yeah. It's not just what happens on Sunday morning, it's during the week. Right. It's living life and living it and enjoying the journey. You know, if I could challenge us as young, you young people, I'm almost 50 now, didn't have a grandchild, super excited about it. Mm. By the way, y'all can't tell. Slow down and enjoy the journey. Don't be trying to get so in such a hurry to get to the destination that you don't enjoy the ride. Right. You know, and that's the way we're on the church. You know. Three weeks ago, we had an Easter egg hunt on the Saturday. We had over 150 people here. Wow. We had more people than we had people to help. Yeah. But you know what it challenged us as a leadership team? Okay, we need to do this and this and this different next year. Yeah. Because we're not we're not equipped to that. It's scary, but it's stretching us and it's challenging us and it's changing us and it's training us to do it a different way.
Let's pray together. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace to us today. We thank you for your word. Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks, so is he. Help us to be able to think according to your word, by the direction of your word. And help us realize that all of us are significant in the body of believers. We don't have to hold a position to be effective for the kingdom. Positions are just that, they're positions. But if we are followers of you, we are important. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by you, God. You formed us together in our mother's womb, God. Right. And we thank you, God, for your people today. I thank you for your word. That when I think things are out of control, if I lean and press into you, God, that's when you're in control. Certainly I'm out of control. But I'm pressing into you and I'm learning from you, God. Help us to be like Apostle Paul. Who said, this one thing I do, I forget about what's behind me. And I press on toward the mark and the high calling in Christ Jesus. Help us to do that. Forget about the failures and the fears and the mistakes of our past. And cling to you and trust you. I pray that for people that haven't made decisions this morning in their personal walk, in their life, God. I pray that you will give them strength. I pray for those that's having to make job decisions. I pray for those that's having to make relationship decisions today. I pray for those that just feel lost. I pray that you would touch them, that you would strengthen them, that you would help them. I thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit that will never leave us nor forsake us, that will go with us always, even until the ends of the earth. God, I thank you, God, for the peace that passes all understanding this moment. I thank you for your Holy Spirit today that I feel so strong in this room today. I pray that you continue to bless your people. I pray that you continue to give us God ideas. I pray that you continue to help us sharpen each other as your word says, like steel on steel. I pray that we would continue to bear with one another and to love on each other through it and to God to put others' needs above ourselves, God. Give us a harvest for your kingdom, God. Give us labors for the kingdom. We pray, God, because the harvest is plenty, plenty is, but your labors a few, God. Give us those labors today, God. Give us the wisdom and the leadership and the divine direction of your Holy Spirit to place these folks in the right place for your kingdom and build your kingdom. Be with your people, be with your homes and your families. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Amen.